you're joining us for the first time today, or if you're back after being away for a while, uh, we have been studying the book of Romans since last September, and uh, just step by step walking through the book, and we are in some of my very favorite parts of the book of Romans. We're in, in Romans chapter 8. And uh, I just want to help you put all of this into context. If you haven't been with us for every Sunday, which is fine, uh, I think you're going to really enjoy today's study, even if you haven't been with us before. But the book of Romans is all about the gospel. And, uh, and, and I talk about this every week. Uh, the book of Romans explains what the gospel is. Gospel is kind of one of those words that only Christians use. You know, you never go to Walmart and, 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 and ask somebody at the cash register, can you help me find the gospel? You know, that's, that's not something that, that you use in everyday language unless you're a Christian. But the gospel really helps us understand how God is dealing with our sin. Because every one of us as human beings have a sin problem. Those of you that, are, that, that came to Connect today wearing Green Bay jackets, you have a sin problem. And... Um, this is going to be a recurring theme, so just buckle your seatbelts. Um, <laughs> but, but we have a sin problem, right? It has nothing to do with football. But we have a sin problem. And, and God made a plan for how to deal with the sin problem. And it's all about what Jesus did on the cross with his death. And then by rising from the dead, uh, he, he has made a way for us to be reconnected to God. And it's all about the gospel. And so we've been walking through uh, Romans 1 through 7. And now we're in chapter 8 and learning all those components about the gospel. But the biggest blockage that we have in our lives is this sin problem. Sin separates us from God. And so when we live outside of that perfect plan that God has for us, it it separates us from God. But thank God, last week we talked about the fact that there's no more condemnation when we come to Christ. And Jesus made a way for us to be reconnected to God. And so that's a part of the gospel. For this message series that we're calling Super, uh, we're using a theme verse from Romans chapter 8, verse 37 that says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Would you just read that out loud with me? Great verse. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I want you to know today, you can conquer sin. You absolutely can conquer sin. Last week we talked about the feeling that many of us have that sin is inevitable. That it is inevitable that at some point I'm going to stumble, I'm going to screw up, and I'm going I'm to do something awful. I want you to know you can conquer sin. And listen, I'm not, I'm not talking from a perspective of somebody who never sins, all right? I don't want to give off that kind of a vibe. I, from time to time, stumble. But I'm absolutely convinced that when the Holy Spirit is in control of my life, I don't have to stumble. I'm not compelled to stumble. It is not inevitable. And so we're going to be talking about the superpower that comes into our lives today and enables us to really overcome sin. So today's title is Superpower. Now, I don't know if there's anybody else who shares my perspective, but I love the feeling of power in a vehicle. Anybody with me? You just love... Mary, your hand shot up faster than anybody, and I know that's true for you. 
if, if, I'm, if I'm on an airplane, do you know what my favorite part of the trip is? It, it's this part right here. I, I love that part right there, just when the engines rev and it lifts off and, and, and that pressure on your back and it just goes, Diane, you're squirming. Do you, do you hate flying? You don't like takeoff? Now, see, I don't like landing so much. That's when you don't want to feel the power is when you're landing, right? But takeoff is pretty awesome. And a couple years ago, uh, Chris bought a new car. It's a, it's a 2012 Toyota Camry. And this is not her actual car, but it looks just like her car. And uh, every once in a while, she lets me drive it. I love this car. It's a V6, and we get on the freeway, and I just step on the gas, and I get that same feeling in my back from the seat pressing in, and I just pass all of you and your dumb little Priuses, <laughs> saving all that energy. <clears throat> just love the power. <laughs> and if you'll, if you'll forgive me for one more football analogy, uh, I, I love watching football and, and, and seeing some of those guys that can just plow through the defense. I, I mean, do you love that? And with their little gold cleats on, right? And those legs just keep moving, and I'm just watching them go, and I think, man, if I just had that kind of power. I, I just love the feeling of power. And, and today we're going to talk about the power that the Holy Spirit gives us over sin. And it's a real thing just like the power in, in, in a motor. It's a real power that can help you overcome sin. Now, last week, um, we talked about this struggle with sin. We talked about when we come to Jesus, there's no more condemnation. And right after I was done teaching in second service, I had a young man come up to me, and uh, we, we were worshiping at the end and, and singing all together. And this young man came up to me, and he said, uh, Pastor Russ, help me understand. He said, if there's no more condemnation by coming to Jesus, then why should I stop sinning? If there's forgiveness every time I sin, and I don't have to feel all guilty about all of it, why should I stop sinning? And you know what I said? That's a great question. And that's maybe a question that many of you are asking. And in fact, earlier in our study of the book of Romans, uh, Paul asked that very question. And he answered that question in chapter 6. And he said, God forbid. You guys are awesome. I have to share with you. This is Rabbit Trail Sunday. I apologize. Terry Weitz had told me she had a dream last night that somebody over here made a bunch of noise and I singled them out and rebuked them. It was a prophetic dream. Look at this. The end of her dream was that, that the people that I rebuked never came back to church. So it's been nice knowing you, Doug and Vicki. All right. <laughs> I promised you, Terry, I would not do that. And here I am. It just... Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you're not easily offended. Okay, I'll never do that again. I, <laughs> that isn't true. Where was I? Okay, this young man asked me the question, if there's, no, if there's no more condemnation, if there's forgiveness in Christ, why should I stop sinning? Great question. Great question. 
And, and Paul addresses this in chapter 6. If you weren't with us for the messages when we were in Romans chapter 6, and this is a question you have, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those messages because Paul says that God's forgiveness is not a license to sin. Uh, sin still separates us from God. When we come to Jesus and we ask forgiveness, of course, we're reconnected to God, but sin still separates us from God. And so we have a sin problem, which is why we need the superpower of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're going today. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and uh, I, I hope today that you will follow along in your Bibles. I think that'll help you stay with me and uh, also use your note cards. Uh, so, because we're just going to unpack this thing and we're going to split today's teaching into two parts. We're going to talk about power and then we're going to talk about superpower. Because this is what Paul talks about in, in, in this passage that we're studying today. There's power and then there's superpower. And you and I both need to tap into both of these things. These are the keys to kicking sin out of your life. And I'm going to start reading uh, in verse 5 of Romans chapter 8. So here's what we read. Paul says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So now let me explain to you a power that you have to overcome sin. And this is just normal human power, but this is a power that God has given you, and that power is in your mindset. The power is in what you think about and what you set your mind on. And Paul, in these verses that we just read, highlighted two things. The first one is the mind set on the flesh. And then he talks about the mind set on the spirit. So let's talk with them about the mind set on the flesh. What he says is that if you set your mind on fleshly things, and and what that means is the flesh is a metaphor for anything that's sinful. It's It's our human nature. It's where we go to when we're not in control. It's just that animalistic, humanistic mindset. When you think about those things, you become controlled by your human nature, is what Paul says. If you think about sinful things, if you think about your cravings, if you think about your temptations, and that becomes what you're focused on, you will be controlled by what you think about. And Paul says it leads to death, that that kind of a mindset is hostile to God. And it says this, it's very interesting, if you paid attention when we were reading, Paul says that mindset does not obey God's law, in fact it can't. You are completely powerless if your mind is just set on the flesh or on your sinful nature. You can't possibly please God if that's where your mind is. But Paul contrasted that with the mind that's set on the Spirit. And this is where the power comes from. 
If your mind is set on the Holy Spirit, on God's Spirit, on the Spirit that lives within you, if your mind goes there, then you are going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit instead of controlled by your sinful nature. This is incredible things that we all need to learn. And, it's, and, and Paul says it leads to life. We talk a lot about abundant life around here, that, that more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. Paul says that when we set our minds on the Spirit, we're, we're going to live this great life. doesn't mean that you never have problems, but it means you're living the life that God intended for you to live. And by implication, Paul says that this kind of a mind leads you to be obedient to God. In other words, sin isn't inevitable. If you can learn to discipline your mind, if you can learn to control where your mind goes, you can overcome sin. This is the power God gives you just in your mind. Now, uh, this week I attended my very first Weight Watchers meeting. I've been on every diet plan there is to be on, and uh, I've been on Weight Watchers online for a while, but I went to a meeting this week because Desiree invited me. And uh, so I went to a meeting, and it was interesting. I'm sitting in this Weight Watchers meeting, and a lot of what they were talking about is to think differently about food, right? And if you're really going to change your eating habits, you have to think differently. So this isn't even talking, uh, this power that's available to you can apply to any aspect of your life. This morning, I was thinking about a friend of mine who's lost about 75 pounds, uh, he was a, a giant man, and, and he and his wife came, and they visited Connect a few months ago, and we went out to lunch together right down here at the, at the Corner Cafe, and uh, actually, we all had breakfast, and my friend Mike, he was on one of these all-protein diets, you know, kind of the paleo thing, and he was seeing a doctor, and they were overseeing the whole thing, and so he ordered a three-egg omelet loaded with vegetables and cheese, and it was just proteined up, right, and fruit on the side, because he's eating hardly any carbs, so he's got this big plate of food, but it's just all protein, and then his son, who's about 12, ordered, uh, I, I think it was like a bacon and cheese omelet and a big side of hash browns. And so they're sitting next to one another, and I'm watching my friend Mike, who's on the diet. He's just, he's just eating up the protein, just eating it up, and he kept glancing over at his son's hash browns. And um, pretty soon he says, son, you can eat those hash browns? And, and the kids, you know, he's, he's all, he's 12, you know, so his mind is just all over the place, and he's just picking at the hash browns, picking at the omelet, and Mike's just looking at those hash browns, you know, I'm, I'm watching the wheels go in his mind, and Mike finished his plate of food, and his son is still kind of eating some of it, and those hash browns have been untouched, and Mike says, son, you want a little ketchup on those hash browns? <laughs> and so his, his boy's like, yeah, I think I want some ketchup on my hash browns, so they squirted ketchup all over those hash browns, and the, the kid took about a bite, half another bite. The hash browns are sitting there smothered in ketchup, and Mike's just staring at those hash browns. And he finally leans over to me, and he goes, I think I'm kind of living vicariously through my son's plate of food. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, that's, that's the power of the mindset, right? And this is, this is what Paul is telling us, is when we focus on what we can't have, when we focus on what we shouldn't do, when our focus is all on that kind of stuff, it gives the power of sin over us. But when we focus on the Spirit, it brings life, it brings freedom, it brings peace, it brings obedience to God. 
And so this is why Paul has made a really big deal and why we've been talking about why just trying to obey the rules is futile. Just trying to obedient. Paul calls it the law. He says, the law is never going to save you. The law is never going to give you freedom over sin. But there's power when you focus on the Spirit. And, and this leads us right in then to the next section that I want to talk about, which is the superpower. But let me, let me just summarize this way by saying, power over sin starts with your mindset. Power over sin starts with your mindset, but there's more. Before we get to more, let me just take you back in the Bible to the very beginning, the first couple of chapters of Genesis. Uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden. God has told them they can eat of any tree in the garden. Everything is good for food. Feel free. There's just one tree that they can't eat from. And, uh, and if you know the story, you know that the serpent comes, the snake comes, tempts Eve, and the Bible uses some very specific language in this story. The Bible tells us that Eve was deceived by the snake. And so she ate the fruit. But then she took that fruit to Adam and she gave it to Adam to eat. And, and what did Adam do? He looked at it and he saw that it looked really good. It looked tasty. And so he just chose to eat it. The Bible never says that Adam was deceived. Adam just gave up the power of his will to the temptation of sin. Just... Didn't even think about it, just, just gave in and did what his wife suggested. Ate the apple, or whatever it might have been. Contrast that with Jesus. Jesus is called in the New Testament the second Adam. There's lots of parallels between Adam and Jesus. Jesus is in a garden, not the Garden of Eden, but he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you remember this story, you might recall that he's praying uh, I think I referenced this story last week when his disciples kept falling asleep. The, the story tells us that Jesus is praying and he's struggling with the temptation to give up the mission. He knows that his mission is to come and die for the sins of, of all people. That's his mission. His mission is to come and help people be reconnected to God. But the death is terrifying to him. And he's struggling and he's praying and his, his very prayer is recorded in the Bible and he says, Father, if you can do it, take this from me. Take this mission from me. What is it? He's being tempted with the ultimate sin to abandon the mission. But then he finishes prayer with this very simple phrase. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What was Jesus doing? In contrast to Adam, who didn't control his mind, he just looked and fell in love with that fruit. Jesus controlled his mind by saying, I'm going to submit my will to the will of my Father. And where Adam gave it up and sin was given to all of us as a result, Jesus took it back. And Jesus empowers us to take it back as well and overcome the power of sin. And so... Uh, that leads us in now to the superpower. Let's move on to this next section. If you've still got your Bibles open, I want to pick up reading in verse 9. Paul says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now that's, that's a loaded sentence. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, 
if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, that if is very important because some of you might be sitting here today and you read that sentence and you might say, I'm not really sure the Spirit of God dwells in me. I'm not, I'm not really sure I have the Holy Spirit. Well, Paul goes on to clarify and he says this, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And I'm going to unpack this in a moment, but I want you to know if you've received Jesus as your Savior, the spirit of Christ lives in you. It's just that simple. The spirit of Christ lives in you, and he changes everything. The Holy Spirit changes everything because he lives in you. Verse 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is great stuff, so hang with me. Three things I want you to know. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first one is this. I already said it. When you receive Christ, his spirit dwells in you. When you receive Christ, his spirit dwells in you. This verse isn't up on the screen, but it's referenced in your notes. Titus 3, 5 and 6 says, God saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit, and he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Christ our Savior. Do you know that when you came to Jesus, according to this verse I just read, that he generously poured out his spirit on you? Say the word generously. He generously poured out his spirit on you. You have no lack of the Holy Spirit, even if you're brand new to this walking with Christ thing. Even if you walked in church this this morning for the first time and you said, Jesus, wash away my sins, in this very moment, Jesus is generously pouring out his spirit upon you. And that's important because this is what happens. Number two on your outline. The second thing that happens is the body is put to death. Paul says the body is dead. Now that doesn't mean that we're physically put to death, that the Holy Spirit stabs us in the heart and we keel over. That's not what he's talking about. This is a metaphor. The body is a metaphor for the sin-dominated life. What happens is when the Holy Spirit is generously poured out on you, he begins to kill the sin-dominated flesh that we've been living under. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit puts that, that, that propensity to sin to death. And then number three, and this is the part I love. Paul says that the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, which is the Holy Spirit, gives life to your mortal body. The power that raised Jesus from the dead gives life to your mortal body body. Now, a couple of things, if you don't mind me just geeking out for just a moment. There's a really cool contrast in this phrase that Paul uses. He says, that power gives life to your mortal body. The word life in the Greek language is the same word that that we use for our word zoology, right? Do you remember what zoology is? 
It's the study of living things. It's the study of how living things reproduce and, and create more living things. That's what zoology is. And what Paul is saying here is that when, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, your mortal body, you know what mortal means? It means you're going to die. It means you have a propensity to death. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes into you, that death nature is changed from death to life. And we have this new life, this new reproductive nature that that begins to overflow with life instead of overflowing with death. And this all comes from the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now let me talk a minute about raising somebody from the dead. If you know the Bible stories very much, you know that there are just a few stories in the Bible that talk about somebody dying and coming back to life. One of my favorites is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus's, and Lazarus got sick one day, and he keeled over dead, and, and Jesus was nowhere to be found. There were no cell phones, and, uh, and Lazarus's sisters sent a message to Jesus that Lazarus had died, and they were so upset because they knew that Jesus had the power to heal people who were critically ill. They'd seen him do it over and over and over. They sent a message to Jesus and said, Lord, if you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. But Jesus came, and, and if you've never read this story, it's such a cool story. He comes, and he is so moved with emotion that he actually breaks down and cries uh, along with these sisters over the death of Lazarus. But then he goes to the tomb, and he just speaks into the tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. And Lazarus, all wrapped up in his bandages and his grave clothes, he comes walking out of the tomb. Now, that's incredible power, yeah? Incredible power. But even greater than that was the resurrection of Jesus. I read all of the accounts of the resurrection of Jesus in the Gospels this week, and it's interesting to me. There were no eyewitnesses of Jesus coming from death to life. All of the eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus were people that saw him alive after he had come to life. But I can imagine what that must have been like. There was no human being in that grave speaking to Jesus saying, come to life. There was nobody in that tomb that we know of that was saying, Jesus rise from the dead. It was the Holy Spirit of God that swept into that tomb and reanimated this body that had been dead for three days and raised him to life. Now, I have never seen somebody raised from the dead. Um, I hear stories about it every once in a while, and, and, and there's credible accounts of Christian people who have who have prayed for God to raise somebody from the dead, and they're incredible things. In fact, there's a story that has been uh, videoed that I want you to see. Take a look at this. It was the morning of September 20th, 2006. Jeff Markin recalls heading for work as usual. What he doesn't remember is driving himself to the hospital. He had called his boss and told him he didn't feel well. His boss was concerned and convinced Jeff to go to the emergency room. Somehow, it was the morning of September 20th, 2006. Jeff Markin recalls heading for work as usual. What he doesn't remember is driving himself to the hospital. He had called his boss and told him he didn't feel well. His boss was concerned and convinced Jeff to go to the emergency room. 
Somehow Jeff made it. As he got there, he collapsed. Dr. Chauncey Crandall was doing rounds in the intensive care unit that morning. An alert call came over the PA system uh, that someone had arrived at the hospital with a massive deadly heart attack. And then a second call uh, went out over the PA system and specifically asked for me because I was the cardiologist on that day. When I arrived there, it was like a war zone. It was like being in battle. It was chaos. Everyone there fighting to keep this man alive. The ER staff worked on Jeff for 40 minutes. They shocked him a dozen times. Despite their efforts, there was no response. Once Dr. Crandall decided the team had done everything possible, he called the time of death. While a nurse prepared Jeff's body for the morgue, Dr. Crandall updated the charts. Well, as soon as my note was completed, I walked out through the door to this emergency room. I heard this voice say, turn around and pray for that man. And I wanted to ignore that voice because I said to myself, how can I pray for that man? He's dead, he's gone. There's no life in him. So I kept walking and the voice came back again. And the voice said, turn around and pray for that man. And I stopped and I thought to myself, I need to honor the Lord. So I turned around at the doorway and I walked to the side of the body and the nurse was on the other side of the body and she's looking at me like, what are you doing? Why are you here? And I stood there next to that corpse and I opened my mouth and these words came out, Father God, I cry out for this man's soul. If he does not know you, as his Lord and Savior, Father, raise him from the dead now in Jesus' name. I remember staring at bright lights and they were swirling around. Out of those uh, bright lights uh, came an image and he told me that he was there to look over me and make sure that everything was gonna be fine. And the other doctor walked in the room and I pointed to him, I said, shock this man one more time and he looked at me he said dr crandall we can't shock him he's dead there's no life in him he's gone and i said for me shock him one more time and that doctor out of respect and honor for me went over to that body with those defibrillator paddles and put his paddles on that patient and shocked him shocked jeff and immediately an instant heartbeat came back. Instant, perfect, regular, which we've never seen before. And the nurse screamed, what have you done? And this perfect heartbeat came back. And then suddenly, this abdomen started moving and started breathing. And then a couple moments later, the fingers started Twitching. They immediately moved Jeff to the intensive care unit. Three days later, Jeff woke up with no evidence of brain or organ damage. Once I, I woke up, my daughter Jillian was there, and that's when she told me what had happened. When I came in Monday morning, Jeff was sitting up in bed, and I said, where, where were you that day that I prayed for you? in the emergency room. 
And he said, Dr. Crandall, I was in total darkness. And I was so disappointed. And I said, Jeff, what were you disappointed about? He said, I was alone for eternity. He asked me at that time if I was willing to accept God in my life and into my heart. I just opened my arms and accepted God. Uh, it was just a very emotional time. I, you know, I remember you know, crying <laughs> in his arms. Today, Jeff is back at work and gets regular checkups with Dr. Crandall. He still has no heart problems or residual complications from his brush with death. Cool story. Now, that doesn't happen every day, right? Uh, I've been on this earth for 52-plus years, and I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. But what the Bible tells us is that the power of the Holy Spirit came into the body of Jesus after three days. This guy was just dead for a few minutes. The Holy Spirit came into the body of Jesus and raised him from the dead after three days. And what Paul is saying to us, friends, is that it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that will empower you to kick sin in the teeth. You don't have to be under the domination of sin. You don't have to look at sin and say, it's inevitable, I'm gonna do it, I might as well give in to it. You don't have to because the power of the Holy Spirit will supernaturally empower you to overcome sin. There's power in your mindset, but there's superpower in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'd summarize this way if that didn't already come up on the screen, superpower over sin comes from the Holy Spirit. Now let me wrap up today by giving you some next steps. What do we do with this? This is, this is pretty cool stuff. Uh, but what, what should I do? I've got five next steps, and, and you can probably think of some more if you spend a few moments praying. Um, but I, I want to talk about how you can get powered up. Five things that I would suggest that you do. Number one is this. Fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. One of our biggest problems is that we just think about the wrong things all the time. So this is one of the reasons why every week I'm saying read something from the Bible. Read read this passage this week or memorize this verse. Last week I suggested that everybody at Connect memorize Romans 8, 1, and 2. Why? Because I want you to think about it. I want you to change the way you think because when you think about godly things, it's going to help you change the way you act. Uh, You need to fill your mind with the Word of God. Read the Bible often. Memorize verses. I would suggest this week you memorize Romans 8, 11, probably one of the most important verses you could ever memorize. And then meditate on those verses that you memorize. Because when you fill your mind with the Word of God, you're going to find that your behavior changes. Secondly, I want to encourage you to pray for more and more of the Holy Spirit. Now, I already shared with you that if you've come to Christ, you have uh, a generous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But do you know there's more? There's more. There's always more. And if you're struggling with sin dominating you, you need more of the Holy Spirit. 
That's something you can pray about today before we go. It's something you can pray about when you're home alone. Uh, even better, pray with Christian friends. And uh, to this afternoon at 5 o'clock, we're going to be gathering here at the church. We're going to do this for four Sundays. And we're going to gather here and pray for people that need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you need to kick sin in the teeth, come and receive prayer this afternoon. If you need deliverance from addiction or behaviors that are out of control, come this afternoon and receive prayer. If, if you need a, a supernatural prayer language that we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks, come and receive prayer, and, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to just pour himself out upon you. Whatever it is you need, uh, this afternoon is just prayer ministry time, and we're going to start at 5 o'clock, and I hope that you, you know, if you've got to see the game, do what I'm doing, put it on DVR, and, and come and prioritize the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, and I really hope that you'll come and be a part of that this afternoon. And then number three is this. Now I'm, I'm going to get really nitty-gritty, and, and some of this might be hard f- for some of you guys, uh, but I'm really serious. Number three is this. Turn off the media that keeps you focused on the flesh. I worded this sentence really specifically. Turn off the media that keeps you focused on the flesh. Um, The reason I'm saying that is because there are things that we fill our minds with that just lead us into sin, right? And and, and I don't want to turn this into a big legalistic thing, but I just want you to think about what you're filling your mind with, your music, your TV, your movies. And and again, not a legalism thing because uh, that's not going to help us. Uh, When I was growing up, I remember we had these big... um, cassette tape burning parties and we would bring all of our secular music and we'd have a big bonfire and and if it didn't say Jesus in it, it went in the fire, okay? I'm I'm not saying that to you, okay? That didn't help me, okay? Um, And we also had these rules like, you know, if no R-rated movies. R-rated movies are of the devil, okay? Well, I'm saying sometimes there's G-rated movies that are going to take you to a place you don't need to be, okay? Right? Uh, just because it's rated G doesn't mean that it's filling your mind with the Spirit. Here's the deal. If, if your temptation is lust, you don't need to watch reruns of Baywatch, right? If your temptation is greed, you probably don't need to watch Shark Tank, okay? And, and does this make sense? And it's not a legalism thing. I'm not saying you should never watch secular TV. You should never listen to secular music. You need to think about where your mind is going when you're filling your mind with the media. So turn off the media that gets you focused on the flesh. And what's, what, what I turn off might be different than what you turn off. Does that make sense? I, I really want you to get this. And then number four is this. Turn on the media that helps you focus on the spirit. There's lots of stuff that will help you fill your mind with spiritual things instead of fleshly things. And then, number five, (laughs) ask the Holy Spirit to guide your choices. Listen, when when I'm struggling, the smartest thing I can do, when I'm struggling with sin and temptation, all that stuff, the smartest thing I can do is just say, Holy Spirit, help me make a good choice in this moment. And you know what? He will. If you'll just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, help me make a good choice, He will speak to you. And you can hear Him. 
You just got to practice sometimes. And we can overcome sin with the power of the mindset and the superpower of the Holy Spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's good stuff, guys. It's good stuff. Let's pray together. I want to pray for two things. I, I want to pray for you today if you're coming to Jesus for the first time and you need the power of Jesus in your life to forgive your sins, give you a fresh start, transform you from the inside out. And then I want to pray for a bunch of us that just need more of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to take a lot of time this afternoon uh, or, or right now to pray because we have prayer this afternoon. But I at least want us to just come and ask the Lord for a new outpouring right now upon us. So uh, while everybody has got your heads bowed, if you'd please just keep your eyes closed and give your neighbor just a moment of privacy. If you're coming to Jesus maybe for the first time today, would you raise your hand up real high so I can pray for you this morning? Uh, You need the power of Jesus to forgive your sins and put you on a brand new course. I don't see anybody. If I'm missing you, wave at me a little bit. All right. How about the power of the Holy Spirit? You need power in your life. Raise your hand up real high. And keep your hands raised all over this room. I've got my hand up as well. I just want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Lord Jesus, thank you for generously pouring out your Holy Spirit upon us. Thank you that those of us that have come to Jesus have already received Uh, what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks, the first fruits of the Spirit, the very beginning. And it's been generous. But Jesus, we need more. Jesus, I pray that you will empower us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit instead of on the things of the flesh. Lord, empower us to stop giving in to fleshly desires and, and start just living in harmony with the Spirit. And Lord, I pray that like waves, you will sweep over us right now as our hands are raised, sweep over us with the superpower of the Holy Spirit that will empower us, Lord, to go to the next level of walking with you and and living in obedience to who you've called us to be. Change our minds, change our hearts from the inside out, Jesus, and bring us to that place where we can say, Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.